and welcome to the Sure IDC podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything. Doesn't matter what or when or who or why, we will talk about it at some point. This is Lucas and we talk about movies, songs, video games, board games, food, books, personality traits, animals, history, anything and everything you can think of except politics. There's enough of that going on in the world. We can agree, disagree, or to agree to disagree on any opinions, facts, or anything else that comes up in the episodes, because that's life. We are just here having a good time. So don't you just love a musical where the music feels like it just repeats itself over and over again, and that's because it does? Or don't you just love a musical where it is so dance-heavy that you feel like you're just going to die? Or, if you're watching it, you think all the performers themselves are going to die? Or, how about a musical that is based on true facts in some sense? That's right, I bet you already guessed it. Today we are going to dive a little bit into the classic-ish musical, A Chorus Line. And to join me in today's conversation is a good friend, and his name is Bimo, how you doing today, Bimo? Thanks for being um, on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Lucas. I'm doing awesome. It was a great day today. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. We were just talking about how hot it is all of a sudden. I know. Well, stupid Missouri weather. <laughs> it's like we get one week of spring and that's it. It's like winter, spring, summer. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. So you are um, a theater person yourself. Um, and, uh, so before we kind of talk about, uh, the chorus line or a chorus line, I, yep. I was always confused about whether it's a chorus line or the chorus line. I think it's, uh, though. Gosh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know either, right? <laughs> I think it may just be chorus line. I'm not sure if oh, there's is it an chorus uh, line? Or on it. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. I think, uh, well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the none, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to sue us. <laughs> Maybe you never know. Um, so to talk, let's start. Let's just talk. Start the conversation um, with talking a little bit about your uh, performing theater slash just kind of awesomeness um, experience. Oh geez. Uh, well, let me see. Um, How about start where, where, where when you started or why you started? You know, start well, at the very beginning. Golly, it goes all the way back to my my school days. You know, I actually think. I think my first production might have been in middle school. I didn't, I don't think I took drama in middle school, but I think we had a drama class and they were doing some kind of a small show. And I got asked if I would be interested in being in it. And, you know, it might, I'm thinking now that it might have been like your good man, Charlie Brown or something or some mm. variation thereof. I can't imagine we did the whole thing. So it might have been some kind of a student version, you know, maybe a, a shorter a smaller version for for students. Yeah. Uh, but then when I went to high school, I was in our high school musicals every year. Um, gosh, I you know, I've I've always liked singing, and you know, for a long time, I think I thought of myself more as a singer. You know, not professionally, but with hobby stuff, mm -hmm. more than a theater person. But I so I, I suppose it was maybe the music that drew me into musical theater. But I really love both. Yeah. I met my yeah I met my wife doing 
doing our musical in high school. So it's been a real family endeavor, and we have both continued to do that, you know, even even now through our adult life. Yeah, yeah, it definitely runs in the family, right? Yeah, yeah. Both of our kids continue to do musical theater. My youngest just graduated or is graduating next week with a degree in musical theater. So I'm sure it'll be a wonderful waiter. <laughs> of course, right? That's how it always works. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we're actually talking a little bit about a chorus line is because we watched uh, him in that show, which was yeah. really good. Yeah. But you know, I it's musicals. Gosh, you know, it's 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 kind of a funny thing. I had a friend who hated them. You know, he just could never get past the person doing, you know, the dialogue. And then just all of a sudden, oh, what a beautiful morning. You know, it's like it just <laughs> seems so fake to him to have somebody mm-hmm. jump into song. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You know, music, I think, is is a universal language. And sometimes I don't think you even need to hear the words. You know, the music can just be so moving. Yeah. So I think it gives I think it gives theater productions an extra way to kind of help move the audience and have the audience connect to the character and get a feel for the emotion that's being given. Yeah. Well, you know what they say when you can't uh, when you can't say what you want to say in speech, you dance, and when you can't say what you want to say in dance, you sing. You know, that's what that's no. kind of the common common yeah. saying, right? I believe it though, right? Yeah. I remember my youngest, or let's see, my eldest was maybe Josh, gee, maybe just two years old. And we were listening to a recording of Pavarotti, you know, the famous opera guy who, mm-hmm. um, gosh, maybe the best opera tenor singer in, in my lifetime. He's since passed away. But he was doing one of those famous, really sad love songs. And, and of course, he's doing it in Italian. Mm-hmm. And I look back and our two-year-old who's in his car seat is crying, you know, and so we're like, gosh, what's what's the matter? And he said, this song is just so sad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had no idea. Gosh, he probably had to be older than two since he was talking. So maybe it was four-ish or something. <laughs> but, you know, like... but, but he had no idea. I mean, the song was yeah. in Italian. He didn't know what he was saying, but yet mm-hmm. he could feel the performer's emotion coming through the music. Yeah. It's amazing, really, you know, from a raw, because, it, you know, kids have that special ability. They're not going to lie, but somehow mm-hmm. he could feel it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, music just does that to people. It does. It's just, there's just something about it that's, I don't, I don't know, maybe I need to do an episode over the psychology of music because, like, they're just, I think it just maybe just hits in a different way. Yep. I don't know. Well, well, you know, that's kind of what music therapy is all about. You know, it's yeah. helping people adjust their moods through music. So yeah, there's yeah, it's, there's truth to it for sure. Yeah, but I definitely understand where your friend is coming from. Where you just right? can't understand why they're <laughs> singing all of a sudden. Right. It's like that uh, that one musical, um, something rotten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where they're all like, wait, they're singing. So what you're saying is they just stop and they start singing, and he's like, yes, like, well, that's the stupidest thing that I have ever heard. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, okay, well, there, uh, yeah, so. Gosh, that's a great show, right? And anybody who's a theater nerd, if you've not seen that show, you got you got to go get it. Because there's so many little subtle, nuanced jokes in there that a, a typical audience goer might miss. But if you're kind of a theater 
person. There's just lots and lots in there for you. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, a great movie. show. I love it. I've yes. never seen it uh, live, but uh, it's definitely on my bucket list to see. We got to see it live on Broadway with the original cast. It was great. Oh, that's it was so, great. So lucky. I so know. Lucky. Well, you just have to pay the man. <laughs> just pay the man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so started out at a young age, um, just kind of, right. you know, moved on in life with it. But, you know, how many shows have you been in? Is it too many to count? Yeah, it's too many. I don't, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm not that guy. I mean, I have friends who know exactly how many shows they've done. I have one good friend whose goal in life is to continue to be in more shows than he is old. So, and he's, oh. he's been able to keep up with that. And that's pretty good, you know, for people that are doing it as a hobby, you know, yeah. just doing community theater and stuff like that. When you have a real job uh, that you're doing and you have a, you know, family and, and other responsibilities. Yeah. But I've never been that guy to, to count how many shows I've done, but it's been, you know, it's been a lot. Um, coming out of high school, I, I didn't do a lot of musical theater right away because I was singing with, uh, you know, on a quartet and things mm-hmm. like that. But then when I got back into it, oh, geez, I don't know. You know, you're there's like maybe 30, 50, somewhere up there, something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Um, you know, I, I th- I've talked about this uh, story on the show before because it, it, it it's <laughs> it's a big uh, memory and a big yeah. impact on my life, what especially is in theater. It involves you. Um, okay. <laughs> you're like, where is this going? No, yeah. no, I'm <laughs> no curious. I, well, I mean, and you know this, right? When I say it, you're gonna be like, oh yeah. Um, but uh, but so the first time that I had ever watched a show, really like actually watched a show, um, I had just moved to Missouri and we went and saw um, Chicago. Right, right. And you were Billy Flynn. Yeah, I love that role. That was. I, I, I think I said it on the show before, but that was the best performance that I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen oh, a lot of performances. <laughs> that role was a lot of fun, and um, the Ruby New Resonant Theater, the folks who put on our community stuff here, which is a really great organization, mm-hmm. um, they give out you know kind of like our own little Ruby Awards, which is kind of like a junior, junior, junior 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 tony mm-hmm. um and i i got i won an award for that that show for playing that character it was fun i also oh, lost like 30 pounds to play <laughs> billy flynn i bet I yeah bet. we were we all joked a lot of us that were auditioning for that show especially the gals you know because a lot of the costuming is is somewhat skimpy mm-hmm. um and so like for the entire summer i think that show was in the fall was that right probably Seems like yeah, yeah. And so it seems like, you know, all through the summer, we were all on our Chicago diets, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to prepare for, trying to prepare for um, the auditions. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so here's, so here's a little interesting uh, a thing. When I went to my, my friend who I mentioned, you know, is counting the shows that he does. Mm-hmm. He's the one that actually talked me into auditioning for that show. He, he really? wanted to audition for Billy Flynn. That was his one of his dream roles, and mm-hmm. Ted is a great actor and has played, gosh, a leading man in in lots and lots and lots of musicals. But Billy Flynn, we had never done, and he was really excited. He won a chance to try to do that, <laughs> and so he wanted me to come and try out for Amos, the Mister Cellophane 
song mm-hmm. guy. And and I thought, yeah, that's a that's a fun song. That part would be that that'd be a fun part to play because he's got this cool Mr. Cellophane yeah. kind of a thing. Um, anyway, then as it turned out after auditions, I got cast as Billy and he, and Tad got cast as Amos. I must say, was it he Amos? <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, like gosh, you would think maybe that that would be a big deal, but you know, we were good friends and he was just yeah. great about it and it all worked out. I, I, I think it all worked out fine. Um, yeah. I mean, know. he was, he was great in that role. He, he was, was, he yeah. was. So I think, you know, I, I think the director got it right. Yeah. Um, not, you know, I just think, you know, a lot of it is just a, looking at people's talents and skills and then, you know, how do they better match you know, the vision of that particular character in the director's head? It doesn't mean somebody's, you know, a better actor than somebody else. It just means they happen to better match that specific role as far as the director sees it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone nailed it in that show. Like I remember that show very, uh, just vividly because number one, it was the first show that I had ever really watched like on stage, um, or in the theater. And, uh, and then of course it just blew my mind. Um, but I wanted to mention two things. One, um, and the, actually the last episode uh, that aired in, of the podcast, um, we talk about small town versus big town theater. Right. And kind of talking about how, you know, sometimes that community theater can be just as good or even better than Broadway. And uh, I definitely talked to the guy that was on that episode, Danny. Um, I talked to him kind of about it. And we both agree that a lot of the shows coming out of the Rubidoux, um are are either on point or sometimes even better than some Broadway shows that I've seen. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely think so. All right. So here, because, you know, um, since theater is kind of a big hobby for ours, mm-hmm. one of our things that our family likes to do and my wife and I like to do sometimes is, is go to New York. And so we've been lucky enough to catch, you know, a few shows out there. Because when we go to New York, we're really going for theater, you know, mm-hmm. We since we've been out a few times, we hit all the touristy stuff, uh, you know, early on. And now when we go, we just go and see shows and eat food. Um, so because that's all life is really about. Yeah, I mean, really. And, food. Um, and, you know, we talk about it sometimes. Um, I, I do think I, I will give you this. I do think that you can see individual performances in in regional or community theater that are sometimes worthy of a broadway stage mm-hmm. i'm not i and i suppose that on a you know maybe a, a rare occasion you know where everything seems to fall in place you might you might get a really really fabulous uh, show on a community theater um i'm trying to think here uh, with ruby do probably the best show i think we've ever done is is was newsies we did a couple hmm. of years ago, and it was really fabulous. Um, I wasn't in it, by the way, <laughs> um, so I don't, want, I don't want anybody to think I was just saying that because I was in the show. I was um, in it, and I was the lead. I was it. So cool. it was the best show we ever did. Uh, <laughs> um, but but you know, I, I, we will sometimes. I'll talk to you know the cast. You know, when we're working on a show like that. I think one of the things that you will see on Broadway is, you know, whatever the smallest part is, 
in a show, you know, when it's on Broadway, the person who's doing that role is still a fabulously talented person. Yeah. You know, and, and they're probably more talented than a lot of community, you know, theater actors. But I think the one thing that anybody can do, irregardless of your talent level, is really commit to the show, commit to the performance, you know, with your energy yeah. um, and all of that. And, and I think that can still bring a show, uh, you know, to the life, at least to the level of, of feeling, you know, like it's competent, you know, in a somewhat semi-professional arena. Yeah. I'm not sure that I, it's, I'm not sure I could go as far as to say it's better than a Broadway show. But there's, but yeah. there's still good stuff. And I, I will also give you this, that I, I still think community stuff can be very moving. It, it mm -hmm. may be, maybe the overall performances or the, you know, you didn't get to spend $5 million on the set, you know, and, and $200,000 on revamping the sound system for that show. But I think shows can still be very moving and, and they may be as effective as a Broadway show. I'll give you that. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm just a sucker for community theater, you know, I think you are Lucas. You're just a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, the last thing that I want to say about that is that you have you made um, you made me want to strive in my theater career. And then I wanted to I've always wanted to play Billy Flynn since then. He's on my bucket list character. Well, that'd be fun. That's very nice of you to say, because I'm just a hack. So, you know, <laughs> don't believe him, folks. He's not. <laughs> yeah. So um, you just like the fact that I was wearing boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so favorite role. Do you have a favorite role that you've ever played? Well, Billy would be on the short list on the um, short list just because it's such an iconic role. And I really I really did lose like 30 pounds. Yeah, to play the show. I tried to get him as dapper as he did. You uh, did you tap in that? I can't remember. Uh, soft shoot. So soft shoot. Okay. So fake tapping. You know. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, you know, it's not a big show, uh, but I don't know if you're familiar. They do it a lot in in community theaters and small uh, venues. Is a, a show called Forever Plaid. Oh it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a quartet show. I, I played the tenor role in that jinx a couple of times and i just love the show yeah it's very gosh it's very endearing and and heartfelt and you know the music from that show is all from the 50s and so often you know for your audience you know those are the songs that they remember in their youth and so it, it's really meaningful to a lot of those folks as they're leaving the theater you know it harkens them back to when they were younger in high school and stuff like that so it's it's a very cool show to be part of yeah. But I got to do um, Matilda a couple years ago. You did. I, I got to play Trunchbull. <gasps> and so that's probably my fave. Oh, I didn't even know favorite. about that. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. That was, I mean, talk about a real challenge. And I loved that. When they announced that they were, when the, the theater group announced that they were going to be doing Trunchbull, I told my wife, I said, okay, I'm all in on this. So, <laughs> you know, tell people to stand back because I, I really want this. I'm going to work really hard to try to get this. That's awesome. Was that a tenor role? No. Okay. So Trunchbull is is often played by because this is the evil headmistress mm -hmm. uh, in in Matilda. She's the one that runs this this boarding school 
Yeah. And it's written for a male usually to play, even though okay. the character on stage is a female. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they just thought it would be easier to come up with a really ugly looking dude and turn him into a woman instead of trying to find a, you know, take a, a, a lady and try to make her unattractive. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's no. So the so the singing part and all that is written. Yeah. In a tenor range. Oh, OK. So it's, but it's naturally written for a guy. And on Broadway, it was played by a guy, um, mm-hmm. and that show came over from the West End, uh, from England. Yeah. Did so, you have a lot of kids available for that show? Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a huge turnout. Um, it's just an awesome show. That's one of my favorite, I think, by the way, shows of kind of what I would call the modern era of Broadway. Yeah. It's just so quirky and imaginative, and the book itself is—it's a great storyline. You know, if, if so many kids read that book uh, in middle school, but even, you you know, you don't really remember when you go to see the show. There's lots of little twists and turns that still surprise you. And yeah. the music is so quirky and fun. I think it's one of the best musical intros uh, to a show because uh, the instruments are kind of out of tune and the trombone's kind of... <laughs> I mean, really in about, you know, 30 or 60 seconds, you completely get the feel that this is going to be a quirky, somewhat off kilter, you know, out of out of tune, you know, atypical kind of a show, which it is exactly. Um, gosh, I just love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, yeah. and I feel I mean, I remember when it came out and I feel like it kind of got hidden a little bit. It did. It, it did not win Best Musical uh, the year that it came out. Which I don't remember what did win it, Best Musical. Kinky Boots. Oh, did it? Which is also a great musical. I mean, we I, we, we got a chance to see both of those. Mm-hmm. And we walked out of Kinky Boots and we kind of looked at each other. It's like, okay, well, I see why that was nominated. That could win. That was a great show. And then <laughs> we went and saw Matilda like the next day. And it was like, holy cow, that was fabulous. <laughs> um, but you know, politically, I think, you know, what we heard, you know, the kind of the scuttlebutt out of New York was that there was no way Matilda was going to win because Billy Elliot had won best musical the year before, and it had also come from across the pond. And yeah. so you know, kind of the scuttlebutt was, you know, the Tony committee was not going to give best musical, uh, you know, two years in a row to mm-hmm. musicals that came from outside the u.s yeah and kinky boots it was a great show it's also got a great message but i i think i think time will continue to prove that that matilda was probably the better show yeah well it also came out with a bunch of shows that were uh that involved kids right because i think the school of rock around that time too yeah yeah it was about that same time yeah i just i just remember watching the tonys and thinking, wow, there's a lot of show with a lot of kids. Yeah, true that. And we got to meet one of the Matildas. Uh, oh, really? There. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was funny because here's just this little kid, you know, that ended up getting cast. They had four of them, by the mm-hmm. way, you know, so they could rotate. And they had super strict size limits. Uh, they could only be so tall and weigh so many pounds because they wanted them to be this very small, demure uh, you know, character. And, and once the kids grew enough, they were out of the Matilda size, then they got replaced. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That is kind of crazy. 
Yeah, but these, these folks were from Florida. And so mom moved up to New York, you know, to live with the daughter while she was doing the run of the show. But they knew, you know, it wouldn't last once she grew enough. And so dad and the rest of the family stayed back in Florida. And they knew they'd be up there for, you know, who knew, six months, eight months. Yeah. So she grew enough, she was too big, and then go back home. Crazy. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, not cool in the sense in the sense of well, you get to lose your job just because you're aging, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, because you're eight. Yeah. Because you're, <laughs> I mean, you're also eight and in a Broadway show. So <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. why I say cool. So, um, well, that's awesome. I didn't know that much about that show. Um, definitely need to do an episode over that one. That's definitely definitely interesting um what about least favorite role do you have a least favorite role golly uh yes uh so we did um cabaret okay and uh, i was i was i played the character ernst it's not Mm -hmm. a huge uh it's not a leading part uh but the interesting part about ernst is he's kind of the hidden nazi Hmm. ernst is everyone's friend and and if you remember the storyline of cabaret Mm -hmm. it's about kind of a wealthy college kid that goes to europe to kind of travel around and he ends up in germany and he kind of is smitten by the female he's the male lead and he is kind of smitten by uh, the female lead who is a cabaret singer who in the movie was played by liza minnelli Mm -hmm. and uh so they end up with this group of friends and they're having a, just a great time just kind of slacking off and partying but all of this is happening while uh fascism and the nazis are coming to power in mm-hmm. germany so you have this other storyline that's in the background and yeah. obviously a not so insignificant storyline either um and so you know they're they're already suffering some persecution uh, some of their jewish friends are and uh you know there's the whole country is going topsy-turvy while they're trying to figure out if they love each other and they have this really good friend ernst who's played by me and i even helped the male lead have some you know kind of get some side money kind of running some stuff for me mm-hmm. and then and then they find out that ernst is you know kind of a uppity uppity up you know nazi guy in the in the local party it's a bad dude and so yeah and so i you know i mean it was an interesting character to play uh but like after the show you know i didn't you know really want to go out and, and see anybody I, I didn't ever mm-hmm. go you know like out um to the alley or anything you know where people might be waiting because what are they going to do say you know great job really loved what a jerk you are yeah you know it i mean it just seemed it just seemed odd and yeah, so that's, that's what happens when you play roles like that is you gotta just you just gotta admit that you did a great job being a jerk yeah yeah <laughs> you know? it's just like thank you i i tried really hard <laughs> yeah yeah so um i'm trying to think you know it's a, it's completely different but somewhat similar you know trunchbull's a big jerk Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was more fun, and I also yeah. really enjoyed it because I also felt like kind of the meaner Trunchbull was, and kind of the bigger the character she was, then the more heroic Matilda would be when she finally defeated me toward the end. Yeah, you know, so it 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 had more of a purpose than I felt. Yeah. Now, did you get to, um, did you get to like throw Matilda by her hair? 
Well, yes. Yes. Uh, it was theater magic. I can't tell you how it happened. Ah, uh, th- th- that type of theater magic, or you just don't know? It happened. It happened. <laughs> but I, I can't, I, ha- I got her, she was off the ground. I will say that much. Wow. So it's like one of those things where you like signed a contract so you can't share? <laughs> I'm, I'm still afraid her parents are going to sue us. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. All right. Well, well, that's cool well, that you got to throw her by her hair. I will say this. There was some rigging and so it was safe. And okay. you know, I, it's obviously, I didn't literally throw her, wow. you know, off stage, but, but I did have her off the ground. So it was yeah. fun. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, you know, they do have those types of situations. I know at a theater here um, where I live, they do these like miraculous um, special effects or they do these miraculous things where they literally have people who are involved in it sign a contract that says that they cannot say anything about it or how it was done. Right, right. Well, we've done flying shows, you know, with Foy, who's the company who originated flying back for the mm-hmm. original Peter Pan. Uh, and they are super protective. I mean, they, they won't even allow you to take, like if you have their equipment on, yeah, they won't allow you to take a photo, mm. you know, unless their equipment's covered up because it's proprietary and they don't want their competitors, you know, to get a look at, at how they're making their stuff. So yeah. they're super, yeah, they're super secretive about that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting, but I guess, I mean, it makes sense. They don't want other people to know their tricks and, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, I get it for sure. But I mean, of course, Mary Poppins is a big, big one of that. I mean, I feel like that's one of the bigger shows. I mean, other than Peter Pan, yeah, um, where you have to. Yep, have we've some, done. Have yep, we've done Mary Poppins. I directed the music for the music for that show. Oh yeah, and that's a great show. But gosh, the music is hard. Um, if yeah. anybody's thinking about me being the musical director for that show, it's just uh, your arm gets tired. I was in that oh. show. Were you really? Mm-hmm. It was, I was technically out of college, but they let me come back and do it. Um, it was the best show I've ever been in. It was one of the best shows I've ever been in. That I was a good, it. it was, that was a good show. And and of course we flew Mary Poppins and the witch on her bicycle and stuff like that in that show. Oh, that really? It was, was great fun. Yeah. I think, I think we just did Mary because of course, I, th- I think she flew like maybe twice, <laughs> but we didn't been. have the greatest rigging system or anything like that. So how about that? But. But no, I remember Supercalifragilistic, all that crazy dance moves because we we learned the Broadway dance. Oh my gosh, yes! And then yeah. um, that was the first time I ever tapped too. And, and I we begged. got the, we got the pit smoking on that. You know, we just because you go back for the reprise, and it just gets faster and faster and faster. Yep. That was that was so much fun if you have really talented players, which yeah. which we did, and they they were able just to just smoke that thing. It was it was so fun. Yeah, well, it was funny because. I had never, I mean, I had never tapped before. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I bet I could do this, or at least I want to learn how to do this. And uh, <laughs> and I remember going to the director being like, hey, can you squeeze in one more person on that dance? And there was already like 15 to 20 people, like almost the whole ensemble was in that number. In the, the um, what's Step it called? in time. Step in time, yeah. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, fine. If you can squeeze in, I'll let you do it. And it was the my, oh, it was so much fun. So much fun. And I think I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought I nailed the tapping for the most that, part. That particular song is a beast because it's got a bunch of mixed meter stuff and goes into 7-8 sometimes, which is mm-hmm. a, 
time signature just that's that's not very common. Yeah. And so you're down there conducting it. That thing's hopping all around, going through these different time signatures of the different you know measures. And woo, yeah, she's, I a she's a challenge. Yeah, I couldn't imagine waving your arm around for that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let alone dancing your shoes off. So. Well, you've already mentioned your favorite um, show, Matilda. Do you have another favorite show, like like your all-time favorite show that, that you've been in or just not that you've been in, just just I favorite think, show? I think my favorite show of all time is West Side Story. Really? Yeah, back to, you know, it came out in 57. Yeah, have you seen the new one? No, no, I'm not sure I want to. I don't mean I think that sounded wrong. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to see it. I, For me, it's the fact that I love the original one. And so I kind of don't want to interfere, you know, with my memory of the original show. That's yeah. what I mean. You know, so it's like, it's, 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 it's so nostalgic for me. And I just think that it's, it's a great show. It's, it was unique in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I remember watching a, a documentary, and uh, Sondheim kept a a journal while they were doing the show. And one night he went home and he wrote in his journal, "This is a, either going to be a colossal flop or it's going to be a colossal success. And if it's a success, it's going to change Broadway forever." And I thought, man, I mean, it just means that they could tell that at the time that they were doing it. Mm-hmm. they could feel that something magical was happening. Yeah. You know, that's one of the first shows where they did not cast, you know, we talked earlier about the awkwardness of just bursting in a song. Yeah. That's that's one of the first shows where they casted, where they cast uh, what you would call normal singers. You know, they, they, they purposefully did not want the person's singing voice to suddenly sound like this big opera voice. Yeah. Uh, like in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, where you got the hick guy up in the hill, and all of a sudden, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, okay. It's like, um, whoa. And, and that's what that's what musicals were back then. So audiences mm-hmm. went along with it, fine. But in West Side Story, they really wanted to make the whole thing uh, much more realistic, and so they went with singers that sounded more like just regular people. Yeah. And you know, I think I, it did change Broadway. I now I think that that still the singers on Broadway are obviously fabulous singers. Uh, but I think, I think there's a lot more thought given to, to actors now, or the actors are giving a lot more thought to their characters and what their character might sound like, you know, when they're singing that song. For example, when I did Trunchbull, mm-hmm. um, you know, I did that in a Trunchbull voice and sang through the Trunchbull voice. I didn't, you know, burst into, and you know, like my regular, yeah, my regular singing voice. Mm-hmm. And so it, it did change Broadway forever. Yeah. And of course, there was the racial tension. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting because there's a lot to learn. I mean, the, the topics in West Side Story are still so current. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm sure that they they redid the musical, you know, because it's it's still so meaningful. What I, I miss in, and what I fear because sometimes I feel like in in modern musicals where there's a little bit of where the the writer or director, you know, wants to give the audience a little bit of a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sometimes I think it comes out heavy handed and then it disrupts the artistry of the show. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, I see. The director was wanting, you know, to to talk to me about this. But then, you know, if you have that conscious thought as the audience member, then then you kind of stepped outside the show itself. And so that's I think another thing that made made West Side Story so moving is I thought it was so genuine and the the tension was so real you know that that after you're you know you kind of see it for the first time I think you genuinely have some of those thoughts with you know, how can we treat each other like that gosh I can't believe we did that you know those kinds of things yeah it's more um, so about letting me letting me realize what's right. happening rather than you telling me because I think there's a, just a different a different Ex way you take things exactly kind of letting the audience member discover it for themselves <clears throat> instead of kind of you know preaching to them in a way yeah uh, not that not that what they're saying is wrong or doesn't have value it just disrupts the artistry i think and i i think it's super hard you know to come up with a show that that is super artistic and successful and still has these really meaningful themes woven into it but yeah. I think that's one of the reasons West Side Story is such a fabulous show. Okay, it did not win, by the way, in 1957. If you could imagine, hmm. it did not win Best Musical. Hmm. You know, do you have any idea what beat it out? No. The Music Man. Really? Can you believe that West Side Story and Music Man came out the exact same year? I actually can't. I mean, good gosh, what a, holy cats, what a year. I mean, I just can't imagine. Holy you know, and obviously Music music Man is, is a deserving show, too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's no knock on West Side Story that that's one, because that, that show has certainly stood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, but holy mackerel, both of those shows came out at the same time. Two iconic, iconic shows. Yeah, yeah. Are, are I mean, you familiar with the opening scene of Music Man where the guys are on the train and they're kind of speaking, but they get to speaking to the pattern of the of the train yep. as it's chugging? I still say, you know, that somebody needs to tell Lynn Manuel that that was the first rap piece <laughs> in a musical. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, um, I have never been a fan of West Side Story. What? <laughs> Oh my gosh yeah i i just i've never i've never gotten into it it's just never i mean i I know all these people who love the show um it's their favorite i mean you you had it nailed down i mean well, like you almost convinced me well i will say this i mean i mean you're talking a show that came out in 1957 i mean i was not born even though i'm older than you i mean i wasn't even born in 57 um, so I can't imagine how long after the show came out it was that I saw it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, but still, it wouldn't come off as as dated as it would be if you, you know, when you saw it for the first time. Yeah. Because clearly a show in 57 is going to feel old, you know. And it was definitely in college when I saw it, probably. Yeah. So here's a bit of, 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 a bit of show trivia. Are you a Western fan at all? Are you familiar uh, a little bit, with yeah. You? You're, do you know the Western, one of the classic Western movies called The Magnificent Seven? You will Brenner and they go down to rescue a, a small town in Mexico from these banditos. Yep. Well, the, the young guy in that was one of the seven 
who in the show appeared to be Hispanic, uh, I mean, a really convincing portrayal, was actually German. Um, really? he, he, he wasn't Hispanic at all. Now, he may have had some, some you know, uh, Hispanic uh, background uh, in, his, in his ethnic background, and they actually offered him the role of Tony in the movie West Side Story after his performance in the Western uh, the Magnificent Seven, but he had already oh, accepted a contract for another gig. And of course, at that time, who even know if West Side Story movie was going to be any good or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so he, so he passed on it. Wow. And it's like, yeah, wouldn't that suck? That would. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I chose wrong, especially since so, who knows what he did. I, well, I've never heard. So obviously it wasn't anything. <laughs> Like the West Side Story movie that you still see all the time. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine living the rest of your life thinking, oh, holy cow, I passed up. You know, this great show. But I'm I'm sure that happens more often than we know. This is kind of a rabbit hole, but I am kind of curious. But isn't that around the same time as like Gene Kelly was famous? Yes. That's around the same time? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine so. And so, I mean, you've got, I mean, you got Gene Kelly, who's such a phenomenal performer and just great in that style of, of show. And then I just couldn't imagine turning down a role in that time period and it not being what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. 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 Man. Cause that was kind of, down. that was really kind of the golden age, not really the golden age, but it was kind of the golden age of film. That's what people say. So yeah. Even the westerns back then, you know, were kind of a very stylized kind of a movie, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a grandness about them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, favorite show, West Side Story. Man, did not see that one coming. Just really hit me right out of left field. You, you know, Brigadoon and Carousel also came out in '57. Wow. I mean, what a season! But those, Broadway. those, like, whenever I think of Brigadoon and. Um, carousel i think of like newer i don't know if i just think they're revivals like because what were the revivals that came out recently like in the past five to seven ten years well i imagine i mean all these good ones get redone you know every few years you know it's it's i mean isn't it a strange thing you get all these people that do i'm sure that like producers and 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 writers and directors survey audiences and try to get a feel for what's going to work and they spend millions of dollars and they put together these wonderful shows with fabulous actors and then it closes in three months yeah it's you know it's such a a fickle and interesting business but then you can have a show like west side story or a music man you know and you continue to revive the thing you know, about every 10 to 12 years. And it's, it's still a, a, a fabulous success. Yeah. It's just, it is so weird. Was you know, it? sometimes when we're putting together our season, you know, up here for community theater folks, you know, people say, well, what do you think? What do you think is really going to work? And I'm like, look, if I could really tell you that I would go to New York and make a lot of money. <laughs> yes. You just don't, yeah. you just don't know. You really don't. You really no. don't. But wasn't there just a showing? Uh, wasn't there just a showing of the Music Man with like Hugh Jackman? Right, 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 and Sutton Foster. Yeah, yeah. it came out this year on Broadway, so it's up for a Tony for Best Revival of a Musical. Which, and I think 
I think Hugh and Sutton both got uh, nominated too for their performances. I just want to say this. Wouldn't that be an awesome show to see? It would. With Hugh it Jackman would. and Sutton Foster. Yep. We got I to mean, see, we got to, I've seen both of them live on stage. Oh. Um, we got to see Hugh when he was hosting the Tonys one year. Oh, okay. He, he's, gosh, he was, what a quirky, funny guy. You know, you think of him, you know, if, if you're not familiar with his work on Broadway, mm-hmm. you just think of him as the Wolverine, you know, yeah. this, gr- this gruff kind of action hero guy, but he really is a musical theater guy and he sings and he dances and he's kind of quirky and funny. Yeah. Um, it was, he was a really entertaining host. Yeah. But of course he was right after Neil Patrick Harris, wasn't he? Yes. Who, who's, wow. Golly. <laughs> who nailed it every time so it's oh kind of a hard gosh. act to follow he is my favorite in fact you didn't ask me this but if you just said what is your what is your uh, best like individual performance that, by an actor that you have ever seen mm-hmm. it is neil patrick harris when he did the angry inch mm-hmm. and he won the tony for his performance that year but it he was Gosh, it, you know, the show, uh, if you're not, are you familiar with the Angry Inch, the storyline at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay, so he's gone through a kind of a botched uh, sex change, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, from male to female, and it left him with, quote, unquote, an Angry Inch, if you get my drift. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but this was, and it's also based off a true story. Uh, mm. I can't remember if it was in Sweden or, or someplace you know, over there in Northern Europe, and they were the the character was also the lead singer of kind of this 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 punky band, and so the story is kind of told through that while they're on stage, and they got the band, and it's just super super high energy and nonstop. And Neil Patrick Harris was 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 as fit as any human being I have ever seen. Wow. Um, and j- gosh, he just delivered the performance of a lifetime. It was really awesome. I'm glad that he won the Tony. I, I, I would have been so upset uh, yeah. if, if he would not have won it because he certainly deserved it. Wow. Yeah. It's fabulous. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Hugh Jackman, I think that uh, he really showed his uh, musical side, his perf- like his stage performing side when he did The Greatest Showman. Yes. And I don't think yeah. people really saw him that way until that. Yeah. I, I, and I thought his, I thought his performance in that was great too. Yeah. You know, and there clearly, was... clearly was a, you know, came off as a larger than life character. Yeah. You know, kind of like you would think of a, of a showman, kind of a, you know, wrangling brothers kind of a character. Yeah. Well, and there's just something about Hugh Jackman that he has more so than any performer that I have ever heard or seen or whatever you want to say. But there's just something about Hugh that that really just speaks volumes to any performer, I feel like, because if you if you just kind of watch him, you know, his singing, it's not the greatest. I would agree with that. It's not the best. But yet you're sitting there and you're watching him perform and you're just like, oh, my gosh, he's having a ball. Yeah, he's so committed and he's still good and he can dance and he can act the snot out of stuff. And so, and when you think of a role like Harold Hill, you know, no one expects Harold Hill, you know, to be singing 76 trombones with a big operatic singing voice. Mm-hmm. And so it's a perfect role for him. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was not a big fan of his singing in the movie Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was okay. Um, um, but, you know, I, you've got to kind of wonder if they might have found somebody better than that. But obviously, Hugh is, is such a big star. Uh, you know, how could you turn him down if he was willing to do it? Yeah. Um, and, and gosh, you know, our, we're kind of splitting hairs too, right? Because he's still a wonderful singer. He is. He yeah. is a phenomenal I, singer. Right. I don't mean to say that he can't sing, but but I, I agree with you. I think there are better singers on Broadway mm-hmm. than him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he's just one of those people where you know he's going to do a great job. Yeah. And even though, even though he may not be the most the best singer or the best actor or the best, whatever, you know, that whatever he does, he's going to do it 110% and it's going to be a good show. Yep. Yep. And it's going to be a good performance. So I think that mm-hmm. just, like I said, I think that just speaks volumes to anybody in this business where if you just put your heart and soul into it and you just, you know, really give it your best, then you don't really have to be the best singer or the best actor or the best, this or the best that. So. Yep. But I, I believe just, that. I, I feel like you I feel like Hugh definitely shows that more so than any performer that I've ever seen. He's also good looking. So he's got that good <laughs> True, true. <laughs> no argument there. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to part one of this episode, A Chorus Line. I hope you enjoyed the talk with BMO. Uh, we were having so much fun talking about theater and discussing theater that I decided to split up uh this episode into two episodes so stay tuned and listen to part two and really talking about a chorus line on may 26th stay safe out there and remember you don't care